Hey guys, welcome to Big Church Online. We are so excited that you've joined us today. If you're looking for any sermons or words of encouragement, you've come to the right place. While you're here, please subscribe, like, comment, share. That way you can stay up to date and help others find it as well. Now, let's get this week's sermon in progress. As we end the series, Naked Truth, this morning, uh, the title of this message is Relationship Goals. Come on, everybody got a relationship goal, whatever it is. So we taught, we had Lindsay in here. Come on, let's give it up. Lindsay did a great job a few weeks ago. And she talked about, you know, she talked about waiting and trying to find your mate. She, she geared it towards the singles, but it was mostly about, I got out of it, was waiting on God to do the right thing at the right time. And so many times we get out of, we get out of whack sometimes. I'm just giving you the same old, old hillbilly cane. We get out of whack sometimes because we're waiting on God, but then we try to do it for him. And then it doesn't work out very good. Then we've, we talked about focusing on our marriages. And how many of y'all enjoyed me and Pastor Minnie a few weeks ago? We, we tried to keep it funny because I'm pretty funny. Uh, just ask me. She said, just ask him, yes. But, uh, you know, we talked about real life stuff. I mean, we talked about how our marriages, I mean, we struggle sometimes just like you all do, but we've worked through a lot of things. We're still, wor we're still working out our marriage with fear and trembling and mostly me fearing and trembling. But then last... <laughs> Well, last week, it was great. How, who enjoyed the panel being up here? They did such a good job talking about, you know, raising your kids and your grandkids. But so all of those relationships are good. But the naked truth is your relationship with God is the most important one. You know why? It's the key to making all the other relationships in your life work. When you get it right with God, your marriage is better. Your kids don't act. They may be crazy, but you can plead the blood over them right now. But, you know, when you get all those other things right and God is first in your life, it seems like all of the other relationships come into alignment. And who would agree this morning that being a Christian and growing in our relationship with God can be hard at times, right? Anybody agree with that one? Y'all, y'all, the roses and lollipop gang, everything's going great. Yeah, it's awesome. Well, the rest of y'all need to get your hands up because there's every, there are days when you go through and you're like, man, this is a hard journey. And especially when you come to know and you start to know the revelation of God in your own life, all of a sudden the enemy's gonna come against you. That's another message right there. He's gonna start coming against you like he's never been before because you've got a target on your back. But this thing is hard. Well, you know why? Because we're all different. Some of us are a little different. I've been called different a few times in my life. That boy's different. Y'all, I know you're sitting next to somebody different, ain't you? You don't tell. Don't hit them. We've all been called different. We come from different backgrounds. We come from different church things. We come from people who've been in church their whole lives. We come to people in the church who just came to Jesus of just a few months ago that really wasn't involved in that. But let me just tell you one thing. There is no one size fits all experience when it comes to Jesus. We're all individuals, and listen, we're on this journey, and it's your journey. No matter where you are on this journey, there still may be some questions, and questions are okay. The Word says this, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Growing this relationship with God and with Jesus is a process, and the naked truth is we have a misleading and distorted view of who God is. And a lot of times that's what hinders us in our relationship with him. You know what this could stem from? This could stem from your childhood hurts. 
seeing the father that you thought you had or not on and hearing that you didn't have a father in your life that could guide you and lead you, all of a sudden you, you've got a distorted view of what a father looks like. Maybe religion brought you to that way, kind of the way I was raised. We were taught more religion than we were relationship. And maybe that's distorted your view of who you think God is. But you know, some people see God as not God the Father, but the Godfather. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You feel like, man, you're fearful to bring anything to him. You don't, you don't know if he's going to be listening to you or if he's going to lay the hammer down. Or we think he's too busy or he doesn't even care. Or I grew up thinking God was the judge. Any, anybody get married and you got tally marks at the end of the week? Oh, you did this. You, did this. you didn't do this three tally marks for what you don't do. Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. They tally up everything. But... We think of God sitting up there in heaven, tally marking us up, going, okay, he made a mistake. They did this wrong. They did this wrong. Uh, uh, all of us, uh, oh, man, they really, really messed up on that one. And, you know, that's kind of what I get about three or four times a week. He really messed up on that one. But you know what? God is not a God up there keeping score and keeping track of what you do. Some view God as this force out there. May the force be with you, Luke. You, I am your father, Luke. And... But we look at God as being the force out there somewhere out in space and that we don't really know where he's at. And then we also have the Siri God where we could say, hey God, I need this. Or hey God, I need the... So many times we press God and we use God as the Siri God. And when he doesn't give us the right answers or the ones that we wanted, we put him back in our pocket and we say, we'll try it again later. Come on, I'm sweating up here. But maybe you've had questions about God. But maybe you were hesitant to ask those questions. You thought maybe I'll be judged or I'll be looked down upon. And, you know, I'm just learning all of this stuff. And, and, and maybe you quit asking. This is a good one. Maybe you quit asking because you didn't get the answer that you needed or the answer that you wanted. Come on. Sometimes our prayer life goes to a screeching halt when we don't see God do something the way that we want him to do it, when we want him to do it, how we want him to do it. Or you quit asking the questions because you don't want to know the answer. Because if you know the answer, you might have to change some things in your life. If you know the answer, you might have to change the lifestyle, get out of a relationship, do the things that you know. You may have to lay some things to the side if you know the answer. So we're not going to ask because we might get the wrong answer for us. Come on, I'm preaching now. This is good. It's okay to have questions. It's okay not to have all the right answers. As I said again, this is a process and we're all at different levels. And you've heard it said before, oh, they're just a baby Christian. What that means is you're new in your faith, but it may get, you may get discouraged when you come to church. And if, they, if you're new to the faith, that's okay because you're learning. You're in a process. But you come to church and you start thinking, man, all these people, they're way farther along than I am. They know all the words to that new song. Come on, you know what I'm talking about? You look around, it's like, I don't even know that song. Do they play that on the music, on the radio? But you see people lift their hands. You're thinking, man, I wish I could do that, or I'm just not there yet. That's okay. 
keep going through the process and allow the Holy Spirit to make you into something that, that God intended you to be. Don't feel awkward or ashamed because, you, because all of this is new to you because the, ba- it caused, the Bible calls them babes in Christ. And babies don't come out of the womb. Any new moms in here? They don't come out of the womb feeding themselves, do they? You can't just lay them over there and go, okay, there you go. Just feed yourself. I'll be back later. They don't come out of the womb walking. Before too long, y'all gonna find out they run and it happens fast. They don't come out of the womb speaking and you're so glad when they say that first word and I love it when he says, Paul B. But they don't come out of the womb doing all of those things. That's a learned experience. That's learned behaviors. When you learn how to walk, you're going to stumble. You're going to fall. You're going to hit your head on the coffee table if you're a kid. I had so many pump knots on my head when I was a kid. I looked like I had three heads. And my mom would say, he'd be okay. Put him in the corner. Put a rag on. He's fine. But you, serious question, man. You didn't bleed around my mom. She's like, yeah, just put a tourniquet on it. It'll, we can't go to the hospital. I don't have any insurance, so just do that. For, he'll be fine. You will say things that you shouldn't say. Remember a few weeks ago I talked about your mouth? I ain't just talking about cussing. I'm talking about things that come out of your mouth that you shouldn't really say or you should keep to yourself or you should allow God to change your language. I said that a few weeks ago. God changed my language a few years ago. Every once in a while, I'm not holier than thou and say I don't say a cuss word every once in a while. But I quickly, later you're going to see, I quickly repent. Lord, I didn't mean that. And listen, that's very infrequently. I'm pretty saintly, if y'all didn't know that yet. What, uh, up in CG, what is, what is your daughter's name again? Myla said this morning, she said, I went up and started talking. I love her. She is awesome. And she said she thought your name was God. I said, do not put that pressure on me. I, then as we were going, she said, that's P. Rich. She said, bye, P. Rich. So listen, I'm not God. I ain't perfect. I don't even claim to be. Don't you be quiet down there on the front row. But you have to keep growing and learning because there are times when you have to be mature. You can't suck on a pacifier when you're five years old. Come on. You, when, you, when you got a kid, I remember my little niece growing up, she was about f- almost five years old and smart as a whip, but she had that pacifier and they wouldn't take it away from her. I'd say, Emily, what are you doing? I'm doing very good, Uncle Rich. Pop. Had to pop it. She was so smart, but she was sucking on that pacifier. And so many times we as Christians, we have to get to the point where we start to mature, to start to grow and start to do the things because we ha- can't be a baby forever. So the process that you're in right now, you may be a baby Christian, but you need to start doing the things. This is what Hebrews says, Hebrews 5.12. For you have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others instead of needing someone to teach you again, again, the basic things of God. You are like babies who need milk. Mm, Somebody likes some milk and cannot eat solid food. Remember, this is a process. But with any process, you have to be able to take the steps. 
You have to start feeding yourself. Sunday cannot be the day that you gorge yourself on God. On Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you need to be able to feed yourself with the word of God. You need to be able to take those steps and do the things. You gotta learn how to walk by yourself. Come on, we got a lot of needy people in this. Not in this church, but you gotta be able to, to be strong sometimes for yourself. Walk through fires by yourself. But also, you need a good church family around you that's gonna walk through the fire with you and go to the places where you need to go. Here's another thing. You've got to start speaking the right words over yourself. I know this sounds redundant, but you know what? Some pay, I heard at the pastor saying, they said, they don't even remember what you say a month from now. You've got to start speaking the right words over yourself. And when you start speaking the right words over yourself, you start speaking the right words over, over everyone else too. <sighs> the naked truth, we as Christians, we have our ups and downs. This road that we're on is not easy. John 16, says this. These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace because we live in a world that doesn't have peace right now. In this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer for I have overcome the world. Hallelujah. Down moments are not always, listen to this, this is big. They're not always because you have sin in your life. Sometimes you feel like, man, all the down, I must be sinning, or I must be doing something wrong, and God's just not blessing me. But down moments are not always because of sin. Sometimes God is true. Sometimes God is trying to stretch you. Sometimes he's trying to test you. He's trying to get you to a place where you're going to start growing and, as in your Christian faith. Look at Paul. Paul was awesome. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. But in 2 Corinthians, he said this in the message. Because of the extravagance of those revelations. And so I wouldn't get a big head and have pride. I have a big head. I was given the gift handicap to keep me in constant touch with my limitations. Satan's angel did his best to get me down. What he in fact did was push me to, <laughs> push me to my knees. No danger of them walking around, no danger in me walking around high and mighty. At first, I didn't think it was a gift, and I begged God, God, remove it. Three times I did that, and then he told me my grace is enough. It's all you need. My strength comes in your own weakness. Once I heard that, I was glad when it happened. Come on, anybody glad when something happens to you? No, we're not. We're mad. We're not glad. I was glad I quit focusing on the handicap and began to appreciate the gift. It was a case of Christ's strength moving in my weakness. Now I take limitations in stride and with good cheer. These limitations that cut me down to size, abuse, accidents, opposition, bad breaks, I just let Christ take over. And so the weaker I get, whoo, the stronger, stronger I become. Come on, that is good. That's a good word, right? I'm glad I read the whole message version of that. The greatest preacher next to Jesus who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, he had to learn the naked truth about being stretched, about being tested into the place where God needed him to be. To know God, you have to learn how to trust and depend upon him. Proverbs 3 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And don't lean into your own understanding. How many's understanding have got them in a lot of trouble before? Come on. Amen. 
In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. He wants you to lean on me, lean on him and trust and depend upon him. The naked truth is we must develop our relate. God always got to get a song in somewhere. The naked truth is we must develop our relationship with him. You may ask how, how, ask how. Good. All 40 of y'all want to know. The first thing we do is, number one, through prayer. First thing we need to do is make prayer a priority in our personal lives. And here's the problem. Not just baby Christians, but people have been serving God a long time, struggle with prayer. Oh my gosh, people pray so much better to me. This is intimidating. I'm, I don't even know if I could ever do that. They use these big fan... Y'all ever been around, oh, majestic heavenly father of the universe? Uh, I mean, I've been to churches where I, they pray for 17 minutes, and I'll be like, I don't understand half of what you just said. But people get intimidated because they think someone else can pray for them. There are people that have the prayer. No, 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 no. I'm not going to let you off the hook. But there are people that have the prayer gift. That are gifted more in prayer than you are. But don't let that be a limitation to say, I'm not going to try to develop my gift. I'm not going to go farther in God. Listen, I wrote this. Pray often, but not perfect. Because there are no perfect prayers. You got to take time. You got to make time each day. And don't worry about what it listens. What it listen. Sounds like. That was better. First Thessalonians says this. Pray without ceasing. I had a really hard time with that when I first read it. So what am I supposed to do? Walk around, Jesus, oh God, help me. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, I'll have a Big Mac. I'll have, and Jesus, I'll have a, I thought that was my concept of praying without ceasing, not even be able to have a normal conversation with someone because prayer was always on my lips. And listen, that probably wouldn't be a bad idea, some of the things that we go through each day. But you have to have an attitude of prayer. How many have to get forgiven going down the road? Come on, y'all. And more y'all need to get your hands up in there because you're lying. How many have to be forgiven weekly from your spouse? More me than her. But what that does, it gives you an attitude of gratefulness. Because let me tell you something, whether what you're going through in your life right now, God has been so good to you. I said this a few weeks ago, God is working upstream sometimes. He's, he's kept you away from things. There's death should have already, I shouldn't be here this morning. Many of you sitting here right now, death should have already gotten to you. And God worked upstream. He put his angels, he pleaded the blood of Jesus over you. He covered you. It helps us when we get in prayer to put God first. And quit believing that we're in control. Help me, Lord. That's the one I have a hard time with. I'm not in control. Sometimes my wife has to remind me of that. Thank God for great wives who do a great job at doing that. But sometimes I want to be controlling of it. I want to do it this way and that way. And this is the way this goes. But you know what? The Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom then all the other things you've been trying to control, all the other things you've been trying to get, they'll be added unto you. But when you put God first in your life, all those other things come in line. 
Another thing about prayer, keep it real. Keep it honest. Don't be afraid to tell God what you're really feeling. Do you know what? I got a secret for you. He already knows it. Why are you trying to lie in your prayers? Don't be afraid to tell God your stuff. And he's not afraid to hear it. You got to get real with God. And you know what? So many times you've got that friend that you're just telling everything to. You, you got one of those. Mostly women, they got those friends. I'm going to tell them everything going on in my life. Guys are a little different. But sometimes you just got to go to God, just like you would talk to that friend and just say, ah, whew, man, I'm having a rough day. And you know what? Don't tell God it's okay when it's not. How many of y'all prayed prayers for the, oh God, thank you so much. And all hell has been breaking through in your life. God wants to have a real conversation. I'm freeing somebody on prayer this morning. It's a conversation. It's an intimate conversation with a father, not your father, but your heavenly father who wants to hear from you. He cares about you every single day and wants to hear from you. Keep it simple. We like things to be more difficult than they need to be. We feel the urge sometimes to impress someone. As I was talking about those people that prayed those prayers, making them sounding better than they really are, to be honest. You don't need to impress God. But there are times when you need to press in. The Bible says the effectual and fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman avails much. There's so many times the lay me down to sleep prayer won't work. You got to get down on your knees. You have to effectively, fervently pray. Say, God, I'm not leaving until you answer the way. Come on. We got to start praying bolder prayers. But mostly, again, talk to him like he's your friend. Let the words come out. It's a conversation. Just be you. So many times we live in a world right now where the, everybody's identity is all whacked out. But you're not that way with God because he already knows you. He formed you in your mother's womb. Even before you were born, he knew everything about you. So start having those conversations and be you. See, say exactly what you're feeling because God's not afraid of it. And keep it short. Long prayers are okay. But there is no requirement for a prayer to be long. Matthew 6 says this. When you pray, don't babble on and on. I'm just giving you the word of God. As the Gentiles do, they think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't randomly add things to your prayer because you feel like you need to pad it a little bit. Oh, it needs, instead of 30 seconds, it needs to be three minutes. And then you just completely repeat yourself over and over. Come on, y'all ain't been to too many prayer meetings if you don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Sister Mildred gets up there and she prays a seven-minute prayer. She says the same thing for six and a half minutes. We have corporate prayer here every first Wednesday night. We don't do that here. <laughs> whether your words are few, whether they're many, God just wants to hear from you. And does prayer work? Is prayer effective? My dad's a very simple person. About as simple a guy as you'll ever meet in your life. But he's got a little table set up in the corner with all of his kids and grandkids and relatives' pictures on it. He gets up every morning. He pleads the blood of Jesus. He touches them. He anoints them with oil every morning. I remember going down there, and I'm up, and he's up there doing it. He didn't care if I, I was sitting drinking coffee. 
he's speaking in tongues, walking around, and he's got three or four little shrines going around. But can I tell you something? A few months ago, he had all of his kids in church with him, and he said, and looked at, he said, my prayers worked. So if you think your prayers don't work, keep praying them. It took him 50 some years to see that come to fruition. Keep praying those prayers. I'm almost done. No, I'm not. The naked truth is we grow, number two, through the word. You don't know what you don't know. It's one of the most neglected aspects of being a Christian. Many people say, I, I just don't understand the Bible. I grew up on the King James Version. You have 6,000 versions. That is not an excuse anymore. Come on, if you ever, I grew up, the King James was the only, my dad is still King James. And if you've not had it, now we have about seven or eight different versions. The message that who made that look sound a whole lot clearer than what it was. We have technology, you have it at your fingertips right now. Instead of scrolling on social media, you can scroll on the word of God all day long if you need to. Amen. And some people even say, do I really have, can I tell you there's somebody, we had a group meeting here one night and there was someone that says, I really don't understand the Bible. So after I told them about the Bible app and the different versions, I heard through the grapevine that they went home and started reading the Bible themselves. So that's what it takes. If you're hungry enough for the word of God, you're gonna figure out a way of reading it and understanding. So you be, oh, this ain't even my name. Some people say, I don't understand it. It's because you read it outside of the Spirit's leading. When you start reading the word of God and the Holy Spirit is leading you, I've read passage after passage and saw, I didn't hear. Then I'd read it again after praying and see something holy and totally new. The Bible is brand new each day if you're allowed to go in with the right attitude and in prayer. You say, do I really have to read it? Sin made us sick. We live in a sick world. Sounds pretty hard, right? But we live in a sick world. We have to read and follow the instructions, right? He's given us the medicine of God in the word of God. But when you have people like Pastor Johnny that almost killed his daughter, wow, that was supposed to be funnier. This is the I almost killed Amy story, my condensed version. If I miss anything, Pastor Johnny, I'm, I'm sorry. Sherry's over, Sherry's over there shaking her head like, oh God, where are we, where are we going? But they wrote here, nearly starting out, they were poor and they didn't have insurance. And Amy got sick and they went to the free clinic. Can anybody say free? Free! For medicine. Johnny was working nights at the time and Sherry worked during the day. Pastor Johnny watched Amy during the day and the medicine was placed in his care and she went on to work. Well, Johnny was a little bit sleepy at the time and he didn't, he kind of misunderstood or like men do sometimes, didn't listen to the instructions given by Sherry. He gave Amy medicine all day, every day, every four hours, a lot. He said that this looked like it was supposed to be, he was supposed to get this line. He thought she meant four of those. When the mistake was finally found out, it was too late. Amy was suffering. Okay, thank you, Jesus. Amy's sitting still on the front row. 
When the mistake was found out, it was too late. Amy was suffering from pain, fever, discomfort, because her blood had become toxic due to the high levels of this medicine. He didn't know what to do. They didn't have the money to go to the emergency room for a visit. Johnny stayed up with Amy, holding him, her in his arm. Oh. When she cried and she squirmed around, and he said he'll never forget sitting there holding her, watching Johnny Carson. And then he said, Jesus, simple. That's what I'm talking about, prayer. Jesus, will you heal my baby? He said, immediately, Jesus touched her. She stopped crying and squirming. She fell fast asleep in his arms, and the effect of that prayer was so dramatic that he knew God had answered that prayer and saved Amy. Come on. There she is on the front row. Johnny promised to never give medicine again unless it was very supervised. So now, let's take it. now you can take a picture of this is how much you give. And Sherry made very sure of that too. But can I tell you in a world of broken homes, in a world of neglect, in a world of loneliness and depression, confusion and fear, the Bible has a prescription for everything. If you're depressed, Psalms 34, 18 says this, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he rescues those whose spirits are crushed if you're lonely, John says this, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. If you're confused and if you're fearful, 2 Timothy says this, for God has not given us a, a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. That's why you gotta be in the word daily. Why? Because helping us being in the word helps us grow the relationship with Jesus because John 1, 1 says this, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Jesus is the word. So if you want to have a relationship with Jesus, you have to be in the word daily. With any relationship, it takes time to develop it. You got to make time. You got to pull that Bible app up. And you know what? And if it's the verse of the day, grab hold of it. Meditate on it. You don't have to have a whole chapter in you. Somebody, I know I say this, it's kind of elementary. People think, I got to read four chapters of John this morning. Um, if I read, yeah, then three of Revelations and four of the old Psalms and, and Proverbs, then I'm, I'm going to be holy for the whole day. No, you don't. Pick you out something and meditate on it. Take a word with you. If you don't know where it's at, get your phone out and say, well, I'm feeling depressed to God. Where can I find it in the word? Siri and Google will tell you exactly where to find it in the word. There's no excuses for what you're going through. Okay, I'm going on. The naked truth is we need to, number three, grow. I have seven points, so hold on. <laughs> Kidding. Kidding. Number three is we need to grow in community. As you grow in your relationships, some people are not going to be excited about where you're going. Everyone won't listen to you and people are gonna think you're crazy. You've been going to church, what? You go to church twice a week? What is that? What's up with that? And back when I was young, they called us Jesus freaks. I remember going to high school and they called me a Jesus freak because I went to church. You gotta remember, there were people who hated Jesus too. They stood there and said, crucify him, crucify him. And Jesus said, even in the word, he says, 
broad is the way that leads to destruction, but narrow is the path that leads to everlasting life. Not everybody's going to like you when you start becoming a Christian. So don't feel defeated. You still got to keep living your life out loud. Can I tell you something? The naked truth is God loves the church. Look what he said in Ephesians. Oh, my wife can quote this one. For husbands, husbands, come on somebody. This means love your wife just as Christ loved the church. I got that one quoted to me about 19 times a day when we first got married. And he gave up his life for her. Church, people, and if you need a revelation of this, stay in this church long enough. Church, people are not perfect. So many people leave the church hurt and broken. It's because of the people inside of it. We're not perfect. Oh, I could talk about that one for two days. Even Jesus had a fake in his group. Come on. He sat at a table and he knew somebody was going to betray him in just a few hours from now. But you know what? He loved him anyway. He allowed him to be at the table. That's what this community is all about. Yes, there are imperfect people. You might be sitting next to one right now. If it's your wife, don't hit her right now. You'll get in trouble later. You'll get hit later. But don't look. There's imperfect people sitting all around you. But here's what happens. When we're with imperfect people, we learn how to do life together. Oh, this one's good. This one hit me. We learn how to forgive and extend grace. Do you know why you got to learn to forgive and extend grace? Because you're going to need it one day. That's why when you learn how to say, okay, yeah, I forgive you for saying that about me. Or I'm going to try to make this right. It's because there's going to be a time in your life when you need the same treatment. that you. Look what Jesus did. He hung on a cross for us. We didn't deserve it. We spit on him. We sinned. And he said, you know what? I know they don't deserve it, but my grace is going to be sufficient for them. I'm going to cover them under the blood of Jesus. I'm so glad Jesus didn't treat us like, whoo, like we treat each other sometimes. Here we go. We got to love people where they are. It's not our, it's our job to love. It's the Holy Spirit's job to correct them and clean them up. Well, if he would just do this. Why are you still doing that? Oh, that would hurt, didn't it? But so many times when people come into a church, we start trying to find everything that's wrong with them instead of trying to find out everything that's right with them. But so many times we're trying to find the, the law. Oh, this thing, the log in their eyes. and I mean, a speck in their eyes. And there's a log sticking out of us so far out that, oh gosh, that, we need to bring that one back up in a few weeks. But there's something different about being in the house. That's why it's important to be in this house physically. It's also important to get into a crew. You build community when you're in a crew. You build community when you start growing into a team. I'm seeing the cleaning team now coming together as friends. You know, even though they're going, I got to mop this stupid floor. I'm kidding. That's a joke. They mop with smiles on their face. They play music. It's awesome to be around listening to it. But, but, but we're starting to see a community of people getting to know each other. That might not be a crew, but that's a community. That's how you build life together. Last one. The naked truth is we grow our relationship through repentance. Whew. Okay, let's read, just read this one. Acts says this. Repent 
therefore, and be converted. It's talking about salvation. That your sins may be blotted out so that a time of refreshing may come in the presence of the Lord. That was written by David, a man after, the Bible calls him a man after God's own heart. But David failed. If you've been around here long enough, he had an affair. Then he tried to deceive and make it all right by, through deception. And then finally, through the end of it all, he murdered the guy he had the affair with. I mean, David did some bad stuff, but God still called him a man after his own heart. Why? Because Psalms 51 says this. This is David speaking. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness. According to the multitudes of tender mercy, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. I acknowledge, he made an acknowledgement of what he had done wrong. And my sin is always before me. So many times we have to acknowledge the things that we did. We need to live in a lifestyle of repentance. That doesn't mean you walk around, sorry, 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 sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. hold on, did I, I only got 46 sorries in today. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when you make a mistake. Anybody make mistakes during the day? Y'all better get all your hands up. We're having an altar call right now. You make mistakes. You do wrong things. There are things that you need to bring to God that, that, that maybe in the moment when you've made that thing, you've thought that thing, you've said that thing, you just say, God, oh, shh. Forgive me of that one. I, I shouldn't have done that one, or I, I need to take that one. You ever, you, want, you ever want to get back? <laughs> I wish I could get that one back, you know. But you need to convince your, confess your sins when they happen. And when repentance is not part of your lifestyle, you sin and you don't repent. Pretty soon, you sin and you don't repent. And pretty soon, you sin and you forget to repent. Pretty soon, you sin and you don't repent. It turns into a cycle, and it's going and going and going, and before too long, you become desensitized to that thing, and then you don't even bring it to God in the first place because you don't remember it anymore. You pray, and then you go to church after a while, and you don't even want to worship anymore. You go to church, and you don't even want to pray anymore. You go and be around people, and you're like, I don't even want to be in the building. If you get into a lifestyle of repentance and asking God to do it for you now, you will not get into that place again. First of all, we drift farther and farther away until we're completely back to where we started from. A lifestyle of repentance keeps you on track. Verse four. He says, against you and only have I sinned, and I've done this evil in your sight, that you may, that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. He confessed his sin. He confessed his wrong. And you go back to verse one. He says, have mercy and blot out my sin. He's asking for forgiveness. But this is what he says in verse 10. Create in me a clean heart. Create in me a clean heart. A creation sometimes, God did it in six days, whether you believe it or not. But sometimes a creation has to be created over time, has to be created over, over, over a process, as I just said. But if you're asking God to create it, before too long, you're going to have a heart change. You're going to have a heart that's no longer thinking or feeling the way that we talked about a few weeks ago. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God, 
and renew a steadfast spirit in me. Verse 12. Oh, who needs it this morning? Restore to me the joy of my salvation. Come on, God, restore this morning the joy of our salvation. God, let us get up each and every day saying, God, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Why? So I can tell everybody else about how good a God I have. Come on, we can't walk around defeated all the time. We can't walk around with a, with a frown on our face because nobody's going to want what you got. But when you have that joy unspeakable and full of glory, when you walk around and when you walk into a room, you change the atmosphere of the room because of your smile. That is God restoring the joy of your salvation. Why is repentance important? And restoration is so important because we got to get it right. Look at verse 13. Then I will teach transgressors your ways. Transgressors, your ways. And sinners shall be converted to you. Because when we get it right, they get it right. When you get it right, your family gets it right. When you get it right, your kids get it right. When you get it right, your grandkids get it right. When you get it right, your friends get it right. When you get it right, you, oh, I'm going fast this morning. Your coworkers will start seeing that you walk a little differently. You talk a little differently. How many, oh, help me. How many have neighbors and you've been living next door to these people and you don't even know their name? Somebody, somebody told me that Somebody just said this to me. Get to know your neighbors around you in a, in a property. I said, there ain't going to be no problem because I'll get to know everybody in that place. But do you, she said, true. I know half the people in Kroger. I love name tags because it's like, thank you. Thank you, Amy. Put a smile on your face, Amy. You should be happy in your job. And Amy will look down like, how does he know my name? Because it's right here. Get to know your neighbor. The Bible says, love your neighbor as yourself. And if you've been living next door to someone or down the street from someone, oh, come on. You need to get to know your neighbor and love your neighbor as yourself. Maybe it's not when you're on your walk. Maybe you smile. Maybe you wave to them. You don't, oh, help me, Lord. We don't even know the people next door to us. How are we going to show the love of Jesus to a world that's dying without him? Let's all stand on that one. The naked truth is this. If this is going to be your best year, you got to work on your relationships. Singles, you got to quit looking for that right guy or that right girl and just start saying, God, Send them to me. God, I'm going to quit looking and looking for love in all the wrong places. I'm going to quit doing that. I'm going to start looking where you want me to look. And I've, I've said this to a person just a few weeks ago that was said, I don't know if I'll find that person. I've been telling them. They finally found that person. I said, see, when you're patient, when you're waiting on the right one, God is going to send you the right person. The most important is your relationship with God and your relationship through Jesus. So this morning as they dim the lights, 
If you've never made Jesus, if you, maybe, maybe you've been trying to figure this relationship out and maybe you've never made that commitment to say, Jesus, I trust you. I've been thinking about this, but now it's time to take my relationship goals to a whole new level. So this morning, if you would bow your heads, and don't, don't, just for the comfort of those people looking around us, if there's anyone in here that has never given their life over to Jesus, would you slip up your hand? Yeah, I see those hands. I'm gonna ask us for the comfort of everyone here just to kind of pray this prayer after me. Say, Father God, I come to you today. I admit I'm a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you are the Son of God. But I admit sometimes I doubt. Help my unbelief and give me faith. Come into my heart. Make me new. If you prayed that prayer, we want to go the next step with you. We want you to fill out the welcome home card and take it to the welcome bar, the yellow card, because we want to go on this journey with you. We don't want you to do life alone. We want to go with you. There's going to be an opportunity here in just a few minutes to come and pray. We'll have prayer team on the left and prayer team on the right. And and it'll be your opportunity to come and, and publicly confess to Jesus. But the key to our relationship getting better is time and investment. Can I just tell you the disciples, Paul, they didn't have it all together from the beginning. Y'all heard those stories. But the Bible says Peter became the rock. It said John grew in love. They had to become and grow. And it says Paul matured in wisdom. And God called them and drew them in different ways and used them mightily. That's the same thing God's doing with us. He calls us. And not all of us have it together like the disciples and Paul. But I urge you to keep coming as you are. I'm not just talking about coming to church. I'm talking about coming to God every day in prayer, just, to, just the way you are. Coming to Him in worship just the way that you are. This relationship grows in time and you have to allow the Holy Spirit to just access your life and say, okay, I need you to help me in this situation. I need to go in the right situation. And the thing, what we need to do is we gotta make space for God every day. He can't be the second, third, fourth, or fifth option in everything that you do. We have to be intentional about all those things. So this morning, as they get ready to sing, if you need prayer for any reason, come to this altar. Thank you for joining us today. If you're looking for more information or resources, you can visit mybigchurch.com or follow us on social media at mybigchurch. We love you guys. See you soon.